Today's podcast is brought to you our friends by our friends at Organifi, our longtime sponsor, Organifi Greens and Reds. I have travel packs with me everywhere I go. Uh, it allows me to be in, to be positive that I'm getting my nutrients in, right? I want to make sure my body is getting my greens. Sometimes when you're traveling, it's not always easy to get organic greens uh, or certainly reds. And I'll take the reds before I train, sometimes during my training all the time to allow my vascular system to get that kind of nitric oxide secretion or that uh, upregulation in vascular, vascular dilation. So the dilation of the blood vessels, which I just love, you know, during training and after training, amazing, amazing products. Their, their line of products expands every week. They've got an amazing protein product, got an amazing nighttime product with adaptogenic herbs, uh, Organifi Gold, which you should definitely try, and just so many more amazing products and hooking us up. So head over to Organifi.com muscle to get hooked up with 20% off because Organifi loves you, we love you, and we love Organifi. Thanks for being here, guys. I appreciate you. Take care of yourself. Take care of those you love. Let's train hard and get some mess. To change your body permanently, it's literally going to require an identity shift and creating these stories around who you are in social circles and who you are with your family and who you are even when you're by yourself. Like if you if you don't change that dialogue or that identity, you will revert. And so all of us should be super aware of what is the dialogue I'm having in my head? What are the things I do unconsciously, right? So you guys have probably heard me talk about this before, but I have a good friend who's, who's going through some problems with drugs. And so taking him off the drugs, you know, there's a lot of conversations that him and I are having about um, understanding human behavior and why we take action. Like why would he choose to reach for alcohol, choose to reach for drugs? It's my belief that you know, if you, if you view the body in like, let's say just for simple, like oversimplification, two aspects, right? You got the physical body and you got the mental body, like the, the, the emotions, you got the cognitive aspect, right? So you either just, you're just trying to feel better, right? We're just trying to feel better minute to minute. Humans are ultimately seeking, moving away from pain, obviously the avoidance of pain or the pursuit of some pleasure. But most of the, mostly to begin with, people who are, are eating too, uh, like too much, are often just eating because in that moment it makes them feel better, right? Not always, but this is often, this is what happens or become, then it becomes a habit. So what you have to become aware of is, well, what is the trigger for me to do things that I don't, I no longer want to do, right? Because there's, there's, a, there's a continuum of people in this world and you know, way at one end of the continuum, which is a really small percentage of the people, is like the people who will follow exactly a plan. If we read a plan, like you're going to follow it, you're going to nail it. It's maybe 10, 20% of the population. But everyone else is going to try to massage it. They're going to try to like cut corners. They're going to try to find the easy path, right? Everyone ultimately, humans are ultimately looking for the path of least resistance. The key to overcoming these uh, identities that we have carried with us previously that have served us in the past, these identities have served us in the past, but maybe they no longer serve us, right? When we're young and we're eating to feel better, it's because it's the only coping strategy we have, right? When we talk about coping strategies, it's like, well, I just want to feel better. And when I'm a kid, I don't have any any constructive or positive coping strategies. So a simple way to think of it is like external coping strategy, internal coping strategy. What's an external coping strategy? Food, alcohol, drugs, pills, sex, pornography, social media, external coping strategies, right? That's Those are all things that are outside of me that make me feel better instantaneously, but obviously have a significant potential long-term payoff for our long-term negative side effect. Whereas internal coping strategies could be what? 
breathing, meditation, right? Something that even exercise, I think, is an in, should be an internal coping strategy where it's like, I'm going to go for a walk and I'm going to internalize my dialogue. I'm going to, call, I'm going to change my physiological state. So if you think in terms of like, I'm trying to change my physiology and or my psychology, I have to become aware of that minute to minute. And we all have to go through this. We are all reinventing ourselves every single day. And now the, the difference between people who succeed and become the person they want and people who do not is the level of conscious awareness you have to this process. So if you can be, well, I should say differently. There's, there's, as I said, there's a small percentage of people who don't, who don't need to be consciously aware because they'll just follow a plan, right? If we were to give you a plan and you just didn't have to think about it, and you, emotions didn't kick in, you simply followed the plan. In the beginning, it would be very uncomfortable. Eventually, it would be habitual, right? But everyone else, the key to overcoming or to becoming something that you haven't always been is creating this identity shift, Right, identifying where did this where did this story come from? One of the questions I often ask my clients is, where did the story come from, and who put it there? Because most often it's not you, right? Oftentimes you have these stories about who you are and why you act certain ways, and sometimes it's you who put it there, and sometimes it's a protective mechanism, but sometimes it's somebody else, like a teacher who said, "Hey, you're always going to be this," or a parent who said, "Hey, you're not good enough," or some some story that whenever you were told that you've bought on and and made it part of your identity. All of us, in my opinion, are born as a blank slate. We're all born perfect beings, and we start to adapt that uh, way of being to exist and accept and receive love in this world, right? We want to be accepted. We want to be loved by the, by the tribe, right? That's important to our, to our birth or to our, our proliferation as a species, because if obviously you weren't loved by the, the tribe, you would be exiled and you wouldn't exist. You wouldn't, lie, you wouldn't live. It's a very important part of our flourishing to be accepted, loved, and uh, part of the crowd. But oftentimes we're, we're doing things that go against who we, who we know we are at our soul, right? To just, be, just to fit in, especially in youth, especially through teenage years. And those formative years become this story that you think you are, right? And then it, it becomes like, oh, I'm, I eat with my friends and we go out and eat junk food. Or, hey, every time I feel sad or every Friday night I come home, I crack a beer. Right, whatever whatever the story is you guys have. And the way to change it, guys, is like first become aware of it. Second, decide what you want to do. Third, decide the incre the smallest incremental change you need to make, smallest possible. And the key then is that when you're making the incremental change, impl implement a gap between the stimulus and the response. So what's the stimulus? What's the response? Let's say, for example, you walk in the door of your parents' house. And you've always gone to that house and there's a cookie drawer or there's a cookie cabin or some like baked goods or something. And you're always just used to like going to the same place. It's always there. Like you, you automatically my, unconsciously go for the cookies or whatever, or it's Christmas dinner, you know? So all you have to do is become aware of it, create a gap, right? So I delay my, my gratification a little bit and then I give myself an opportunity to choose based on what? What do I choose based on? I choose based on goals. I choose based on values, right? So these are two things, goals and values are an absolute prerequisite of success in life, right? And the, the key with goals and values, they must be intentional and you must be conscious of them. Obviously those things are inextricably linked. Four years in a row, I walked to the gym every single day and it wasn't huge, it wasn't hugely long. It was probably uh, 25, 30 minutes. 
But as you know, like there's certainly days where it's like, this is a lot of snow and you're just trekking through snow that's, you know, mid thigh deep and you're just like, yeah, let's go, man. And I think that's, that's an important part of it. Is it, is it a necessary requirement? No. But I think when you, when you get comfortable in uncomfortable circumstances, life's trivial tasks just seem easier, right? It still blows my mind when I encounter people who complain about just like basic things, right? Like, really? You can complain about that? Don't you realize how blessed we are as humans? Like, and everyone, not everyone's blessed, right? Many, well, I shouldn't say that. We all are blessed in different ways, but not everyone's as, let's say it's not always equal, right? But I think it's a really important framework to just acknowledge, like, yes, I'm blessed. Yes, I've got a lot of stuff going from, especially everyone's call. And yes, I need to subject myself to hard things. Otherwise, I am getting softer. Great book for you guys on that topic, The Art of Learning by Josh Waitzkin. One of my favorite books, actually. Josh Waitzkin is a champion chess player. You guys may have heard the book Searching for, or the movie Searching for Bobby Fischer. It's based on Josh Waitzkin. And uh, it's a really good book. Talks about how he learns faster. Talks about how he's he's super uncomfortable all the time. It's fascinating. One of the challenges with walking or, or being uncomfortable in society, society is built in such a way that life's easy, isn't it? Like it, it's, you know, you get a little cold, put the heat on or put a sweatshirt on. I get a little warm, put the AC on. Life is amazingly blessed and we're getting weaker by the generation or by the, by the year unless we're aware of it, unless we're conscious of it, right? And this is the exact same parallel. Hopefully you guys acknowledge this parallel your body, every single day you wake up, is getting weaker, is getting older, right? Unless you do what? You train it. And that's why we're here, right? We're here to push the body off or push the decline off as much as we can. And so here's a simple framework for you guys that I think is really useful. I think the simple framework that's important to think about, there's, there's a three aspect, compo- three components of the framework. First one, you guys have heard me talk about probably ad nauseum is effectiveness. How effective are you being, right? And so if you think about this as it applies to life, effectiveness is, you know, essentially how well am I doing this thing? And then you look at efficiency, right? And it's like efficiency is, well, am I getting the most bang for my buck for time invested, right? So the difference between effectiveness and efficiency, obviously, is effectiveness is a domain of quality. Efficiency is a domain of time. And the final one that everyone likes to, to jump on is intensity. But it's only one of the three, and you can't have maximum progress at all three. And in my mind, it goes in that order, right? It's effectiveness, efficiency, and then intensity, right? So if you think of like building that up, well, if you guys are looking to build up anything, whether it be in the gym and business, like make sure you're doing it right first, right? Go slowly, do it well, do it, do it effectively first in anything, tra- nutrition, training, cardio, whatever, right? You name it. Then say, okay, how do I implement? I'm doing it well, like I can do it well in, in an effective way. Now I introduce the time domain. So it's efficiency. So am I getting the greatest bang for my buck? And I think that's another enormous domain that we as coaches are helping you with. So one of the things you guys don't see, maybe one of the biggest things that you guys don't see that we program very intentionally is efficiency. And so what's efficiency when it comes to a workout? And maybe efficiency and effectiveness here are maybe inseparable. But when we program workouts, you wouldn't have 
most people wouldn't have the slightest inclination into understanding how much nuance goes into how we select exercises, right? So never is an exercise haphazardly thrown in there. There's a very intentional reason and method when we select an exercise. So here's a thought. Have you guys ever thought about this possibility that by doing a, one exercise, maybe I potentiate the opportunity for a different exercise at the same time? Did you ever think about that? Did ever think of, anyone ever think about the fact that if I am doing one exercise, maybe I detract from doing a different exercise, right? So this con this idea of like synergy, right? Some exercises are synergistic and some of them are competitive, right? And and so when we select exercises, there's a lot of intentionality and thought and nuance that goes into, we'll give an example. So one of the one of the questions I get asked often is Ben, what's the best exercise for chest? What's the answer? For about seventy five percent of people I meet, the answer is a back exercise. And everyone's like, "What are you talking about?" Well, because if you can't control your your back, your scapula, you will never build your pecs, never. So if you see someone who's got poor posture or has got tight musculature in the front and weak weakness in the back, the best thing they can do for their pecs over the next three months is build their back or establish more strength and mobility and, and function ultimately, right? And that's increasing their effectiveness. Yeah. So instead of going after the intensity domain, we go after efficiency, we go after effectiveness. So first we're going to like, let's make this more effective by fixing your, whatever, balancing you out maybe. And then efficiency may come as a factor of like, I call it this, you guys have heard me say this, but I call it this progressive narrowing to where to where the ideal. So we start the coaching, we're starting way out here eventually we thread the needle, right? We're, we're progressively narrowing it. And so you're doing exactly the same thing every time. You should be doing the exact same thing every time you train. So everybody think of a bicep curl, right? What percentage of uh, your muscle fiber, let's say you've got a hundred muscle fibers, let's say you got a thousand muscle fibers in your bicep. It's many more than that, but let's say arbitrarily you got a thousand. How many do you use every single rep? Answer, 20% typically, right? And so that's low effectiveness, low efficiency. What if we could scale that to 30%, 40%, 70%? Now your effectiveness and your efficiency go up. Never did I have to increase my intensity yet, right? We can simply make the effectiveness and efficiency go up. I'm not saying intensity is not a very important lever. It is. But thinking through, if it's the only thing you're changing, you could be working very hard going in the wrong direction. Example, if someone wants to get in great shape, let's say you guys, you guys are all here to be in best shape. You're all here to be massively effective. What if I just punch programmed a bunch of burpees, right? At the end of your, let's say I programmed 60 minutes straight of burpees. You'd be what? Tired. That's, in, that, that's, that's effort, right? I'm, I'm inducing effort. I'm tired. But would my body transform the same way as if I did you know, eight extra, eight sets for chest and eight sets for back and eight sets for delts, day one. You know what I mean? Like, so there's, there's a big difference between specificity, muscular work, inducing effectiveness and fatigue versus being tired, right? This is an important framing for you guys as you go into the gym. So one of the biggest mistakes our clients are making, and I'll bring this up as a, just a general awareness, is thinking that your ability to select exercises is anywhere near as effective as your coach. And this is not meant to be an insult to anybody. But we do have people 
who change exercise haphazardly. Like, I'm just going to do this instead. That's not always, I mean, it's okay. Talk to your coach about it, but don't assume that replacing this exercise with that one equates to being the same outcome, right? So the more changes you're making to your workouts, the more changes you're making to your program, if you're going to do it, that's fine. Communicate with your coach, accept subpar progress, right? So the more you can adhere to the workout with the mindset of, first, I need to be super effective and making sure I'm using the right muscles and doing this correctly. Second, I want to optimize efficiency by using more muscle fibers per contraction. Third, I want to increase my intensity or effort. And obviously those are different things. Intensity ultimately in its definition is like the percentage of load. But then uh, effort obviously is like, I need to go for the gusto, right? And that's that's the final piece of the puzzle. So I thought that that was an important framework for you guys to take on this morning as we or this evening as we uh, continue to progress into 2023. And one of the greatest things we can offer you as a team is, and I say this you know, a lot, don't necessarily set the goal to build the muscle for the muscle or to lose the fat for the fat. Set the goal for the person it makes of you to achieve it. Here's why that matters. Every one of you guys is going to be 60 years old one day, 70 years old one day. Most of us are going get to get to 80. If you have the physical capability now and you have the skill and you put the time in to grind to understand skill and understand learning about the skill, you'll still have it when you're 60, 70, 80, or you have a much higher physical capability, right? That's very, very, very important to our longevity. Not everyone's worried about longevity, but at some point you will be. At some point you'll be like, yeah, I'm so glad that I played that sport. I'm so glad that I learned how to squat. I'm so glad that I learned how to deadlift correctly without pain. And I learned some exercise principles that allow me to not get injured. Everything in your life, including walking, including talking, Everything is now very easy, including your, your profession. At one point it was hard and now it's easy. And I'll tell you, as a bodybuilder, we, we're, we're taught, or people who learn from bodybuilders, we're taught to train in a very specific way. And we believe that way is most effective. And it's our, it's our very beliefs that are the things that hold us back from reaching the next level, right? We hold, we hold our beliefs very, very close. We don't hold them close to heart because they're part of our identity. They're part of who, are, who got us here. Like, hey, I've believed this all along. And for me to admit I was wrong, I'm admitting I am wrong. I'm admitting, I, I, I'm admitting something's wrong with me, right? So learning to release those beliefs and saying, hey, if I'm not good at this yet, great. I have an opportunity to get better. One of the hardest things to do is change your paradigm and exercise because you're so attached to it. This has always worked for me in the past. The reality is it's worked, to you, worked for you in, in the past, got you to where you are. If you want to go to a new level, you have to be completely open and willing and vulnerable to learn new skills. And this is literally what I was saying earlier. The more diverse you can be in your skills and in your mindset and your fluidity moving from task to task, the more effective you are in life. When those are the shittiest workouts, you're like, this fucking sucks. I hate this. I'm, why do you hate it? Because you're bad at it, right? At the end of the day, the reason we hate things is like, because we're not good at it yet. But you got to take on the mindset of, I'm not good at it yet. Hell yeah, there's an opportunity because the better I get it, I'm bringing up the weakness. Right? Life is about filling in the gaps, man. It's about bringing up the weaknesses, right? You're only as good as your weakest link. The reason we train is because it's changing how we feel. Just like I said at the beginning, right? It makes us feel better. It's a, it's a positive stress, ultimately. It's making us feel better. And it's a high impact uh, habit, isn't it? Because it's going to create a change in our physiology and our psychology for probably a long time. And the more often we do it, the more it becomes kind of cumulative, right? So if if we're 
enjoying training a certain way. How many people have a favorite body part? You enjoy training a certain body part. Why do you enjoy it? Because you feel it. And when you're done, you feel accomplished, right? So that you get that like reward, you get the dopamine ultimately. Now, if you're learning something new and you kind of don't really feel it, and you don't really feel like you worked hard, what happens? What's missing? Dopamine, right? That reward is not there. So now all of a sudden you go, oh, this sucks, man. I didn't, I didn't enjoy it because you didn't get the same feeling you got before. But I guarantee you when you first train that that strong body part, you get the same problem. Like when you started, you didn't automatically get the dopamine. You're like, oh, that was, felt amazing. You just have to build it up, man. In the beginning, I say this to my kids all the time. In the beginning, it's like you're charging through mud up to up to your neck. And sometimes the beginning is like just the worst. You're like, oh my God, it's so uncomfortable. Learning to love that, move toward it. And then eventually the sun comes out, dries it up. And now you're running on top of this six foot mud, right? I think that's a simple way to flip your brain. It's like everything's neurochemistry, man. We have beliefs around how the world is, what's important, what's not important. And all those beliefs are the very things that hold us back from progressing. One of the mistakes I would say people make, and it, it Mistake is in quotations because it's not necessarily a mistake across the board, but is people assume that if I'm doing eight reps in a set, I should also do eight reps in a warm up. That's not necessarily true. You just need the muscle to be able to turn on the muscle you're training and the muscles that are that are synergistically supporting that joint or that exercise. So there's actually quite a bit of scientific val- validity and data around doing a single rep and maybe even like spending time in a really contracted position or, or the point of peak force output. So it could be the squat, it could be just at 90 degrees or the leg curl would be kind of at the top and you're trying to in- induce activation without necessarily having to go through reps, right? So we find the angle of peak force output in the exercise and we spend time there. Let's say we spent 10, 20, 30 seconds there until we start to feel that muscle go into fatigue, right? Just about to go over the cliff, we stop. We've induced excitation, excitation threshold. Right, so you don't need to do repetitions to do that. You could do it with a single rep on the warm up. Obviously, if you were doing a working set, you would want repetition. So here's an important distinction. Not everyone knows this. So there's a simple framing. There's actually three phases to every repetition. I I, I don't want to assume everyone knows this. Some of you will know this. Some of you will not. You have the concentric lifting phase. You have a pause after the lifting phase. You have an eccentric, the lowering phase. And then you have a pause afterwards, right? And the pauses, I, I count those as isometrics, right? So it's not just necessarily a passive pause where I'm sitting there doing nothing. It should never be sitting, well, seldom should it be there, there doing nothing. It should be something that's active and intentional. So if I get to the bottom of a squat, I should not just be l- like limp. I should be active. So that then becomes a number of uh, of value, right? So if we, if we were to give you the tempo with four numbers, eccentric is the first number. So four is a lowering. One second pause is an example to pause the bottom of the squat, a one second lifting phase, and then maybe a one second pause, right? And so those, each of those are actual actual um, phases of a lift. And they all, this is super important, they all elicit a different response in your body. So the, the lowering phase is eliciting a very specific response, which is usually associated with muscle damage, eccentrically lowering. Right then, the isometric could be something different. The isometric, depending if you're pushing into it, uh, can actually induce neurological stimulation. So the nervous system uh, is getting closer to excitation. You can actually get stronger. And then the, the concentric phase is usually more metabolically demanding. It requires more calories, more energy. And then obviously the isometric phase on the other end is positionally specific to where you are. Is that making sense, or am I talking too much? So like the isometric at the end of the rep is really not. Uh, 
just a wasted opportunity. It's not just like, oh, I'm just changing directions. It's a really significant opportunity in order for you to get strong or an opportunity for you to get stronger in those positions. So think through that stuff. Anything you're doing mindlessly in the gym is wasting your time. The metaphor I used two weeks ago that I like to repeat myself with is don't read a book to get to the end of the book and go, I don't know what I read, right? You read a book to retain the information, to apply the information to your life. Life is the test, right? And the reason that's a relevant metaphor in this case is many people do the workout to get to the end of the workout, not to get the benefit of the workout, not to get stronger and better. They just simply complete the workout. Like, yeah, I feel good about myself. Like, yeah, but you didn't do anything. How about we actually get the get the benefit from the exercise instead of just mindlessly doing nothing, right? So mindlessly slinging weight like a monkey and I see monkey, see monkey do and not getting anything out of it, right? How many of you guys read, book, read a book a week? How many people want to retain what's in the book if they read a book a week, right? Or if they read a book a month? Yeah. Same thing with workouts, man. Don't make your workout. Don't be that guy, right? It's like, I'm reading a book a week, but I remember a thing. I train every day, but I don't look like I've changed in six years. Don't be that guy. Thanks for listening to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. For full episode guides with important takeaways and bonus resources, head over to muscleintelligence.com slash learn. If you enjoy the show and find value in the content, please subscribe, share this podcast with at least one person you know and love who would benefit from this content. Leave us a review and support our sponsors. You can see the full list of show sponsors, discounts, and get exclusive muscle intelligence deals at muscleintelligence.com slash resources. To join our private community and get VIP access to my master classes, upcoming muscle camps, and other resources that we don't post anywhere else, head to muscleintelligence.com slash community. Most of all, thank you very much for your trust, for your time, and most importantly, for supporting health and fitness in this world. Enjoy your day, and I look forward to seeing you here next week. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Bikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.